0: Alrighty, welcome to Pastor Plex Podcast. We have Chris Pluginpole here.
1: I'm so glad to be here, but first off, who are you?
0: I am Katie Sass. <laughs> you know, I'm just your handy dandy girl that reads the questions.
1: <gasps>
0: <laughs> and maybe every once in a while has opinions. I but... think you
1: got some great opinions, Katie.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I like to, you know, not say them to everyone in the World
1: in the podcast world, yeah, in the
0: podcast world, yeah,
1: all right,
0: all right. So we've got our first question here. It's kind of a fun one. Can you read the Greek?
1: The, the, Gweek. the Gweek. I'll try reading the Gweek. <laughs> All
0: right. Can you read the Greek alliteration in Second Timothy three two through four? I think it would be cool to hear, but I don't speak or read Greek.
1: Uh, yeah, this is really tough, but I'll, I'll do my best. And it's a bunch of connection of Greek alliterations where the, where he would put, like, the same sounding words together. So, in chapter 2, it says, For people will be... Uh, You're like, what? Well, that doesn't even bla blasphemy blasphemo uh gonu and aperith uh as astorgoi as pondoi diaboloi which is like satan uh, <laughs> uh ane. It boy, feel guy. It's not doesn't actually sound that great, but I'm working with you. Aro, protodi, prototes, tetu It just keeps going. So I think you kind of get it. It's just if you can really make it roll off your tongue, it sounds a lot better. But there's a they put a lot of the same sounding words that start the same letter together. Yeah,
0: I was honestly kind of like, when is this over?
1: Yeah, so, so sorry about that. <laughs> Okay.
0: Well, I hope you guys are entertained by that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, that was for that one person who asked that one question, and everyone's like, oh, dear Lord, make it stop. Okay, go ahead.
0: Oh, man. All right. So, you mentioned being known. Yeah. What about in a marriage, spouses being known to each other?
1: Yeah. You know, one of my I don't know, favorite verses when it comes to this would be Genesis chapter 2, and it's it's where first um, uh, Twenty-five, two twenty-five. The man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed, and that means that there's a spiritual, physical, emotional nakedness, which means they're all completely known to one another, and ultimately that should be the goal um, of every couple. And what separates mm-hmm. that sin? Right. So my shame separates me from you fully accepting me. Right. Uh, my darkness. Separates that, and and here's where usually this when I get into arguments or not arguments, probably not good way. When couples come to me with their issues, and I usually have um, a husband or a wife who wants um, that their spouse to confess everything to them, and then I usually, so yes, ideally that is exactly what should happen. The problem sometimes becomes if you're not a safe place to Mm -hmm. confess then it makes it kind of a, a challenge to confess to. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't. It just mm-hmm. means that you've now created an atmosphere where it's difficult to confess to. Now, however, on the, on the flip side, the offending spouse who has maybe sinned, maybe it's looking at porn or whatever, um, if you're not confessing that, what you're saying is, I don't trust God enough uh, to tell you about this. Uh, because you will fall apart and God won't be sovereign to be able to pull you back together, which might be true. It could be true that your confession uh, to your spouse may lead her down a path or may lead him down to a path where he will not recover, but then that puts you in the the role of God. Um, Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, a relationship is probably um, best when you can confess. Now, does that mean you need to confess every single time? Man, this is where it gets really challenging. I think so. Okay. So this is where if, if a person, uh, if, if if they confess it, then that, that makes that spouse not be able to function, right? And so now you're like, again, this goes back to the, there's a reality of like the super spiritual idealistic world where you tell your spouse all things and that person forgives you, renews you, loves you. But then there's the, the, the question asking that comes on the back end of that that then kind of creates... but. Which you deserve, right? You deserve, as a but then it shuts down communication. So if you have two sinful people who aren't trusting the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have a, a place of complete brokenness. And so now, whenever your your confession gets weaponized, now do you share it? That becomes the real challenge that I, I face. What do you
0: mean by weaponized?
1: So so weaponized. I mean like so. Oh, you told me that you thought about that girl. What did that girl look like? Now tell me. Um, you know, did she have? Um, you know, was she smaller than me? Was she? her eyes pretty? It, now we're down a whole different road as opposed to – Well, but to,
0: that's not the – she shouldn't be asking that.
1: Right. She In theory, right? Theory. <laughs> yeah. But but well, we need to confess everything. Katie, you need to confess. So when you were thinking about that other guy, tell me what kind of color of hair. Did he have salt and pepper hair or was he a blonde guy?
0: But that's not the point of the
1: – No, exactly. And that becomes where the brokenness of the mm-hmm. confession and – um, that's
0: when a confession okay. can go wrong, exactly. and then it just becomes sinful. And, and, it, and you know, now it, it becomes about it that person
1: it. controlling, right? Yes. So that's the, so there is a limit, right? So there's so for a spouse to say, "Hey, I really struggle, and I looked at porn, porn yesterday. Would you please pray for me, dear God? We pray for my spouse. Uh, I pray that you, you know, thank you that you know, your your Son Jesus died on the cross for His horrific sin. It is that bad that You needed to die for it, but You rose from the dead, and there's forgiveness, there's healing, and I pray he, complete healing over in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. My spouse would um, feel your love and grace. Okay. So that's awesome. But right. what can end up happening when you confess to a spouse and they start grilling you with a million questions.
0: That doesn't mean you ask, oh, what kind of porn was it? Right. What, like, who was in it? Were the girls prettier than me? Was right. It? And then that just sends the girl, the it's wife. spiraling. Just, yeah. Yeah. So that's not productive.
1: Right. And But in most of, uh, in marriage counseling, that's what you're dealing with. It comes down to why I need to know who I need to know what kind and why is he looking at that? No, you don't. All right, and that and exactly. So that's I think that's probably if if I was to guess like um, the heart of that question, it comes from that sort of heart.
0: I could see that. I guess I've never asked those intricate details. That's kind of okay. Um, Those are details I would not want to know. Why is that? Well, because that's not. Productive for me. That sounds healthy for me to know.
1: Why is that not healthy? I think this is important because I feel like there's a lot of people who don't wrap their head around that.
0: So, one, I mean, confessing that you had watched porn or confessing right. any sort of like sexual adulterous act it's embarrassing and it's mortifying already. Right. And so confessing that to your spouse, there's already this like deep shame wrapped around it. There's this embarrassment. There's this, I didn't even want to share this in the first place. I don't want you to know this, but I'm, I'm telling you. And so then the other person, their job in that moment is to love like Christ. Mm -hmm. And does God question us constantly about every single, no, he already, he already, he loves us gently and he loves us unconditionally. So your job in that moment is to forgive. And yeah, just because you're forgiving that person doesn't mean that you're not still hurt. Right. Hurt is, is obviously very present in that moment. But it for me to ask those kinds of questions, I think that would lead me down a very deep, dark spiral that's not healthy. And that does not help me love my husband. Right. And so, if I want to love my husband well and deeply, then I need to appreciate and be grateful for the fact that he came to me and was bold hmm. in being vulnerable and honest and confessing.
1: Right, I, and I, I totally agree. And I think that's the meeting where they're at. And I think what happens with a lot of couples is they they it's 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 they're so insecure, mm-hmm. it, not not they're insecure in the relationship, which is understandable, but they're insecure in the relationship with Christ that they can't handle. That kind of um, confession, and that's where it sparks yeah. the bazillion questions.
0: Well, in vulnerability and honesty, well, vulnerability and confession doesn't come naturally right.
1: to us. Oh, for sure. But
0: it's the the it's like a muscle, you right. know. The more you practice and the more you work that muscle, then yeah. the more the less uncomfortable it becomes.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so
0: that's why I'm for confessing everything. Good. Ryan and I are we we try to confess everything. Mm-hmm. And we try to sit with each other, and we try to hash it out, and we try to work those muscles of confession. Yeah,
1: and it's important, and I think that that comes to, and what I've learned is that it becomes the power, like healing, literal healing, like sexual healing, mm-hmm. comes through confession and yes. repentance, and saying
0: it out loud. Yeah,
1: it's powerful. Okay, so I feel like we All can right.
0: do that. Yeah, that was good. All right. Man, I feel like we could have gone like 30 more minutes. Oh, on we that totally question. could,
1: but you have to leave like 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, I
0: have a child that needs to go down for a nap. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, how do we determine what is God-breathed scripture and what is just stuff people wrote down? A common practice is to throw out scripture people don't agree with and only use the stuff that we like.
1: Okay, so let's go to really
0: well, Oh, that's like wouldn't that be a dangerous thing to...
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> well, this scripture, or this scripture, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. And I, I feel like that is a really great place to start. Well, how, what scripture is useful? Well, all scripture. Now, the problem we have is when people take scripture out of context Mm -hmm. that, uh, and this is where I try to pull out like uh, last week when I talked about, listen, the, the vine and the branch and you're supposed to produce, produce fruit. The whole point of that was Jesus talking to disciples um, about the fact that when you are in him, that's where your power comes from. And anytime you're not in him, your power doesn't, Come from that, and in fact, all you're useful for is to make a a bonfire to warm somebody up. So I feel like the 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 problem that we have is 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 we didn't take every we didn't parse that entire metaphor like vine dresser and the vine, because that would mean that the Trinity is composed of different substance. So it'd be it'd be three gods essentially. There's a different substance, but still God. It would be kind of like way you could look at or Arianism that. That the vine dresser created the vine, you know. There's just it's just it's difficult to go to a trinitarian doctrine off of that because it wasn't meant to be a trinitarian doctrine. And on that particular uh, scripture from John 15, I don't think that Jesus is talking about people going to hell. But when you start throwing about like the only thing that that branch is useful for is being burned, well, it, it means that that you don't have power, and that the the opposite of that is very true that you were designed to bear fruit. So anyway, that was last week's sermon. But I guess the whole point of that is is when you start pulling, you might even have the right truth, but you're using the wrong address. That happens a lot where people say, well, see, this means that your security is, your, your eternal security is secure because, and they'll name a scripture and you're like, that doesn't even say that. Or they'll um, give a context for, uh, okay, for example, okay, let me find that, that verse. I think it's 1 Timothy uh, chapter two, verse twelve says, "I permit no woman to teach a man." And so you could look at that and say, "Okay, <clears throat> when it comes to changing diapers, if I ever have to do it, I can never have a woman teach me to do that. If it comes, <laughs> if if if, um, if uh, it comes to like how to teach a child elementary ABCs, I can't ever get a woman to teach me how to do that. Like that wouldn't make any sense. Right. Uh, and so right. that's, but you can." skew a scripture to say like in no circumstance is a woman able to teach a man something he doesn't know how to do so clearly that doesn't make sense but if you look at the at the greek and if you look at the understand the understanding of the way of the context it goes i permit no woman to have authority like to to kind of teach in such a way of spiritual authority so that's where they're going to and so that fits into a complementarian point of view where uh there's a male headship but even in that you know, Paul also talks about a woman prophesying in church. Well, if the guy somehow learned something because she prophesied in church something, you, you see what I'm saying? That's a, a 1 Corinthians 11 thing that a woman, were, if a woman were to prophesy in church, she had to look like a woman. So she was a dress appropriate like a woman. Right. And so I feel like that's the, the struggle that everyone has is they're um, not understanding the whole context of the scripture. And so you can make it mean just about anything that you want. Um, and again, I'm... I'm all for male headship, but the reality is if you take that from a sense of woman, women can't teach men anything, then you're going to be skewing God's word all over the place. And I think that's what we do is it? this isn't a, um, a legal document written to make sure that nobody could misinterpret anything it was it, men wrote down as the Holy Spirit inspired them right. metaphors and general principles that were generally true and in some cases in Paul's case in, in that particular part of the letter it, he he was saying listen I, I want I want men, only men to exercise authority in church and for women to not um, be be standing up trying to speak or take over a meeting so that that's really kind of where that comes from
0: So, random question. Yeah. Uh, Female pastors?
1: Pastors. Okay. Um, Let's see if I can... This is where it gets a little bit challenging. So, what you're asking is, is it okay for a woman to be a pastor of the church? Right. So, it's okay to a woman to pastor, uh, not necessarily for a woman to be an elder or uh, a person of spiritual authority in the church. Now, man...
0: Well, I mean, even in Second Timothy, it does talk about um, elder qualifications.
1: Right. And you've got to... It's, it's for men. Now, yeah. what we do know is that deacons were also um, women. And so we have that at our church as men and women deacons. Right. But we also have... And we call our community group leaders shepherds. And so we have female shepherds.
0: Does that not like... Just universally go with like every church. Does every church call their community group shepherds? Shepherds? No. Or is it like small group leaders?
1: Yeah, small group okay. leaders. Okay. Yeah, we're in fact for us to call them shepherds is, is we're kind of in the weird range.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like we're like we use churchy language for churchy things, and oh. so most people have sort of given up. Well, most people, most churches in our stream, and by stream I mean theological persuasion, have sort of given up on the churchy language because it because it's it's unrelatable. Uh, oh, however, nice. I like to use the, the churchy language because I read it in the Bible, and so therefore <laughs> it empowers people to live out their role. Yes. Yeah. So if a deacon, there's biblical empowerment to serve in an office of the church. And so th- that's what you – so this is where um, – Well,
0: and deacon means servant.
1: Deacon means servant, right. And that – so no problem there, right? Right, right. Uh, it's just elder, overseer. Uh, bishop is is that yeah. whole word is reserved for men to spiritually lead the church.
0: Right.
1: So. Yeah. Now, could and I, that doesn't
0: mean the calling is greater right. or more significant. It just means that's the calling that God designed it.
1: Right. And I do believe women can be evangelists. Right. Uh, I do believe women uh, can and can share the gospel to men or. Women, I mean, I feel like that is... And
0: women can have authority within the church.
1: Right. It's just that they don't have spiritual authority over men. So, for example, my wife is a children's ministry director. Okay, so let's go down this road. There's people that serve in the children's ministry that are men that are technically under her authority, but they're under her, like, direction as not, like, spiritual authority. Like, she's not telling them to, uh, you know, she's going to make sure that... Okay, so if somebody was teaching something heretical... She'd be like, hey, this is what the elders have said is doctrine. Right. This is what yes. we're teaching. And the person goes, I don't want to do that. Then she goes and gets the elder and said, this person needs to leave. You know, it's the
0: authority that she has under the authority of the elders. Right, right,
1: right. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. It, and, and so this is where, you know, why I'm... You know, I don't know if I'd ever, I'd ever do this, but I'm not necessarily opposed to a woman, like for example, preaching under the authority of the elders. But I don't, it it makes me even a little bit uncomfortable, and that might be my own um, bias because I've never really experienced other than at seminary when I had women teaching under the authority of the seminary leadership that were men, and so it all goes back to a male headship. Where does that and this is where complementarian churches all like differ. So there's some that will say there's no one that will ever um, speak on God that will be a woman ever, and there are those that are like they're more um, as long as they're they're under the spiritual headship of the elder board that are men, then we can allow them to speak. And so that there's people that differ all across the board on that, and I'm kind of on the um, I'm not super comfortable with it, – if it, if it's perceived that a woman is speaking in a spiritual place of authority. So I think technically it could happen. It's just it's really hard to make that happen without it – without having the appearance of her um, having spiritual authority. Does that make sense?
0: Well, so I guess I'll ask like a real-life question. So yeah. I spoke at the Shepherd's Retreat Yeah, a couple of years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, it was great.
0: And – There were men in the crowd, Mm -hmm. and I remember there was one man that was not happy that I was speaking to a room full of men
1: and women. Yeah, and I I go, okay, good. So that's a perfect example. In that environment, you weren't bringing like scriptural, like you weren't teaching from the Bible to be a spiritual authority. Right. You were providing testimony of like, here is how I did this. This might work for you. Experience yeah. and so I had,
0: and I shared. I didn't scripture, even think.
1: I didn't even think twice I, about it, right. right? But you were. I wasn't
0: trying to have authority over the cross. right.
1: Yeah, and you were under the authority of
0: of you and the elders. Yes.
1: Yeah, and so that's why I, it, I honestly didn't even cross my mind because the environment that we were talking to was like, you know, 20, 30 people, and you're explaining what you were doing uh, as yeah. a community group shepherd, and yeah. so I, I felt like that was a completely appropriate place for you to do that. Um, but again, I guess that that gets into. What, what's a different differentiation amongst complementarianism? Uh, we're probably more on the moderate uh, side of things because of, of, I believe in distinct role of men uh, in leadership, but I love to empower our women as much as possible within that um, without even having the appearance, and this is the part that gets hard, without having the appearance to somebody that isn't trained, um, or trained, isn't um, in the faith, Right. That, because you just don't want to have a bait and switch on that kind of stuff. That our spiritual authority is God given for men to exercise over the church, um, but women play an incredible role. And I would say women are the backbone of our church. And right. I'm obviously grateful for women. Yeah,
0: yeah. For you, it's not coming from a place of pride of like, no, women can right. have a, women couldn't have authority over their church. Right. You're coming from a place of I want to honor God in right. in Scripture and. Yeah
1: and 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 i think the design is is great because what we want is men to leave their homes and i think if you're like if if men aren't leading the church how can they lead their homes right and right. when i and i and listen i i know female pastors and they're great people and i just disagree with their stance right. because i'm just like how can a if you're leading the church and you're leading men how are you submitting to your husband mm. it, it gets really hard in fact okay so this is where Let's go back to Judges. I'm going to go back to Judges chapter.
0: I can pull it up for you. Yeah.
1: Is it Judges 3 with with Deborah? All right. Make that Judges 4. All right. So uh, Judges 4 says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now there was a woman in spiritual authority. Now, here's the problem, which because here's what people do. Like, See? Right there. Right. There was a woman in leadership, in Israel, in God's. But the problem with that is the whole point of Judges, or the theme verse of Judges, is that there was no king of Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eye. And so okay. that's the problem with that, is it doesn't... It so
0: kind of, you don't believe they were honoring God in that? I,
1: I believe that Deborah was. I believe that there were no men around that were spiritually active had a spiritual aptitude to do anything. And so she was a prophetess. So God spoke to her clearly. And because no men were stepping up and everyone was doing right in her own eyes, she kind of filled a role, uh, that she shouldn't have been filling because who else was going to fill it.
0: Right.
1: And so, um,
0: I mean, some women might feel that today.
1: Right. And and, and I, I I mean, I think a lot of men have abdicated leadership in their home. They have Mm -hmm. not been intentional. They don't lead their kids spiritually. They don't lead their family spiritually. And so a woman does that all the time. In fact, I would say that, and I don't know, this is where you started. Like, look at those churches. Like, there are some churches that because men don't step up, women have said, well, someone's got to lead this thing. Someone's right. got to do this. And so, I, man, I understand why it happens. It's yeah. just, it's because when there's a lack of good men who are willing to stand up for the, for the Lord and follow God. And, and women aren't following that. They kind of fill the gap. That's what happens when men good, good men don't lead. Good men don't step into roles of leadership. Good men sort of abdicate to their wives. And then ultimately that's uh, what happens.
0: Well, and some women believe they can just truly do it better.
1: And they probably can. Yeah, there,
0: there are some women who could truly do it better. No, no,
1: And I think that's the hard part to kind of wrap your head around. Because you can do it better, should you? And I think that's, that's the part where is it – because what you're saying is because – the man here that God hasn't called up, I'm supposed to sort of step in the gap. And which, in this case, Deborah did. She she sat there, the people came to her. Um, and she was a godly person. And it was interesting that even when Barak, who was like the commander of the army, he came up to her and said, I'm not going to go to battle unless you go with me. Which is the most, like, oh. chicken... Like, if
0: my husband said that to me, I don't even know. I don't know how I yeah, would respond. Like, yeah, be... I'm not going
1: to go fight this battle unless you come with me. Because he was afraid because he felt like you're the only one who knows God around here. God's going to protect you. I mean, I had people do that. I'll go if you go, but I'm not going to go without you because God's with you. And so that's how the whole nation was. Yeah. And then uh, Deborah goes, well, I'll go, but you, a woman is going to get the honor because you're not willing to do it.
0: Right. I mean, I think a true godly man would want to protect his wife and would want his wife to stay safe instead of. Come with me to battle.
1: Right. It's a weird thing. So I guess that's the, the, that's why, um, so obviously there's scripture that sort of goes all the way around the, on this, but for the most part, um, we're talking about male headship and <clears throat> that it's a man's role to lead his family, to lead the church, uh, to lead the king, to, to, be <clears throat> uh, to be God's leaders on earth as he designed it. Right.
0: You know, and that is a great place. To call it a day, um, because unfortunately I have to put my toddler down for a nap. You know, it's just beca- being a mom. They're just those responsibilities. So, um, all right, guys,
1: this yeah. was this was a great time. Yeah, we went down a rabbit hole. We,
0: yeah, that was. <clears throat> we only answered two questions, and maybe one of them right was actually answered. Yeah, and
1: if you got more questions on complementarianism, I'd love to. Uh, Go down that path with you because I, I feel like we just t- scratch the surface oh, of yeah. it, and uh, why it's best, and how, how egalitarianism is, a, uh, which is where it's like men and women their roles are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. I feel like feeds off of a culture that thinks yes. that men and women are interchangeable in their they're bodies. Not. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I personally love your complementarianism sermons that oh, you thank do. You. So, um, yeah. Keep the questions coming and uh, have a great day.